Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. Hello, my name is Venu Reddy. I'm a hospitalist at the Durham VA Medical Center. The topic of today's podcast is transfusions. Let's start off with a case. We have a 54-year-old man with a history of recently diagnosed AML on warfarin for remote unprovoked DVT but no other comorbidities post his first cycle of induction chemotherapy who presents with a nosebleed. His hemoglobin is 6, platelets are 8, INR is subtherapeutic at 1.8. He is otherwise hemodynamically stable and the bleeding has already been controlled by ENT in the emergency room. You are admitting him to the floor. Let's talk about our approach to this patient and what we will need to be cognizant of during his care. The goals for this talk, first we'll go over some VA-specific advice to transfusions. Next, we'll talk about the goals of transfusion for specifically hemoglobin, platelets, and INR. We'll go over specific modifiers for transfusions, and we'll end with common reactions and what to be concerned about. So before we dive into this case, I want to go over some VA-specific common pitfalls to ordering transfusion. First is that all patients who have never had a type and screen done at the Durham VA need to have a ABORH confirmatory test also ordered. This is a separate lab that must be done in a separate tube. This order can be found in the transfusion order set where you would order a type and screen in the same drop-down menu. You can check if this is needed by looking at the blood bank tab in labs. The second thing to be um, careful with at the VA is that all patients need an active consent done for every admission. Standing outpatient consents are not valid during an admission. This can be done through IMED consents, preferably with the consent computer that has the signature pad, or can be done with a paper consent filed with the HUC. Finally, please remember to inform the nurses of the incent to transfuse. Nurses have to go down to the blood bank themselves to pick up blood products and should be made aware. When entering orders for transfusion, also be sure to put in the order to transfuse in addition to the order to prepare a blood product. This is found in the bottom part of the transfusion order set. So let's return to our case and discuss if and how much needs to be transfused. His hemoglobin is 6, and thus he will need a transfusion. The rule of thumb is one unit is needed for every one-point increase desired in the hemoglobin. The transfusion goal for most patients is above 7. There is some data to increase this goal to 8 in patients who have coronary artery disease and heart failure. We will also commonly aim for 8 in patients with hematologic malignancies who have suppressed bone marrow. This patient having a hematologic malignancy should get two units. We will later discuss what modifiers would be appropriate for this patient's transfusion. The goal for platelet transfusions can be variable. All patients like this one need platelets if they have a count less than 10. This is to prevent spontaneous hemorrhage. Additionally, if you note new petechial hemorrhages in the mouth, you should transfuse platelets even if the patient's platelets are above 10. After 
10, the goals for transfusion for specifically platelets can vary depending on if a procedure is planned. 30 to 50 is the goal for most other procedures. The proceduralist or the surgeon should let you know what level they are comfortable with. If the procedure is a CNS or I procedure, the goal should be above 100. The expected rise in platelets is dependent on if you're using single donor bags or a pooled bag. A single donor bag should see a 10 rise and a pooled bag should see about 20 to 30. Now, let's say our patient needed another ENT procedure and they asked for FFP to bring down his INR of 1.8. What would we do then? Well, since the INR of FFP is only around 1.5, we would unfortunately have to let the surgeons know that FFP will not be helpful in this situation. Numerous studies have shown that FFP will not help patients with an INR of less than 2. It would be reasonable to give this patient oral vitamin K, though, Things like PCC, novel reversal agents, uh, will not be discussed in this talk. If you are considering using any of those, you should discuss that with hematology. Let's talk about now what specific modifiers we should use for this patient. The options for modifiers are leukoreduced, irradiated, washed, IgA deficient, volume reduced, and CMV negative. The first option is picked for you. All products at Duke and the VA are leukoreduced. This patient, though, would also need irradiated products as he has a hemolignancy and could get a bone marrow transplant. A common mistake in ordering irradiated products is trying to use them for solid organ transplant patients. This is not necessary and is the quickest way to get an annoyed page from the blood bank. Wash products are given to reduce allergic reactions. In the same vein, if someone has had a history of repeated allergic reactions with transfusions, you should consider if they have IgA deficiency and test for it. And if they test positive, they will need IgA deficient products going forward. Volume reduced products are rarely used since we often use Lasix along with transfusions, but they are an option if someone is already volume overloaded or there is a concern for such. Finally, CMV negative products should only be used in solid organ transplant patients who you have confirmed are CMV negative. This information can be found in their transplant clinic notes. For the final goal, let's talk about what reactions to watch out for. For each of these reactions, I will try to give you what the most common situation is and what is the worst case scenario. For each one of these scenarios, keep in mind that there are things to add to your differential, but they are not the only things to consider when a patient has had a transfusion. We'll first talk about a fever. Let's say that the blood is running and you get paged by the nurse that the patient has spiked a fever. What would you do next? Always have the nurse stop a transfusion while you are assessing the situation ask for the rest of the vitals, and go see the patient. If the rest of the vitals are fine and the patient looks well, he likely had a non-hemolytic febrile reaction. The transfusion can be resumed with some sort of antipyretic, usually Tylenol. On the other hand, if the patient is tachycardic, tachypnic, altered, and has bleeding from mucosa and lines, 
he likely has a hemolytic transfusion reaction. This is due to an ABORH mismatch and is very rare due to all of our double checks. This patient should be transferred immediately to the ICU for supportive care. All blood products tubing, a DAT, and a repeated type in screen should be sent down to the blood bank. Finally, if in this case, if it was platelets running, what should be higher on your differential is sepsis. Platelets, since they are kept at room temperature, are the most likely blood product to cause bacteremia. The nurse now calls and says the patient is short of breath. And what, what are your thoughts here? Would the timing of the blood product being given change what you're considering? The two main issues to talk about here are TACO, which is transfusion-associated volume overload, and trolley, which is transfusion-associated acute lung injury. The former, TACO, occurs in patients who are predisposed to volume overload, like those with heart failure or elderly patients with stiff hearts. They get shorter breath during or shortly after a transfusion and have signs of volume overload on exam. Their vitals are otherwise stable apart from maybe needing some oxygen. These patients should be treated with Lasix, and you should see very quick, rapid improvement. Trolley patients, on the other hand, often get shorter breath hours, 10 to 12 hours after a transfusion. They will have a chest x-ray that has puffy infiltrates and will qualify for ARDS based on the diagnostic criteria. These patients will usually need to be transferred to the ICU for supportive care. The blood bank should be informed to run the requisite tests. The blood product most often associated with trolley is FFP. Finally, the nurse calls and says that the patient has a rash. Your goal here is to ensure that the patient is just having an urticarial reaction with no other signs of systemic illness, which can be treated with Benadryl, versus having a full-blown anaphylactic reaction, which would need the usual epinephrine, H2 blocker, and steroids. To recap, when you're admitting a patient to the VA who needs a blood transfusion, make sure that they don't need an ABORH in addition to a type in screen. Make sure they have an active consent on file. Make sure you notify the nurses that their, a transfusion is needed. For transfusion goals, be sure that they are needed. So that's usually that they have a hemoglobin of less than 7, they have platelets less than 10, or higher if they need a procedure, and their INR is greater than 2. When considering modifiers, keep in mind the patient's comorbidities and use only if appropriate for the correct indications. Finally, when assessing patients for uh, transfusion reactions, always stop the transfusion while you're assessing the patient and look to see if they're otherwise systemically ill. If they're not, they can likely have a continuation of the transfusion with um, some medications. As far as uh, reading recommendations, there is an excellent summary of transfusion reactions in UpToDate. There's also a, a very nice review in The Lancet from 2016 titled Transfusion Reactions, Prevention, Diagnosis, and Treatment by Megan Delaney. Thank you for listening. The views and opinions stated during this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Department of Veterans Affairs or the Durham VA Hospital.